Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you are with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. We're brought to you by CarShield. Visit carshield.com for more on them, but we'll talk about them in a little bit here on the podcast as well. Jim, let's start with our good martini, which is uh, going to factor in to our bad martini as well today. The issue of how we're going to vote this year. Uh, the Democrats have decided this needs to be wall-to-wall mail-in voting. We can't possibly have in-person voting during a pandemic. I mean, any rational person who would even contemplate voting in person at a time when we're still having people stay home from school and most people aren't back at the workplace yet, uh, a lot of people still working from home, it's just completely irresponsible. Who would endorse voting in person? Oh, Dr. Fauci. I think if carefully done according to the guidelines, there's no reason that I can see why that not be the case. For example, you know, when you look at going to a grocery store now in many regions and counties and cities that are doing it correctly. They have X's every six or more feet. And it says, don't leave this spot until the person in front of you left their spot. And you can do that. If you go and wear a mask, if you uh, observe the physical distancing and don't have a crowded situation, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. I mean, obviously, if you're person who is compromised physically or otherwise, or you don't want to take the chance, there's the situation of mail-in voting that is done for years in many places. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to vote in person or otherwise. That's uh, from ABC News. He was talking with Deborah Roberts. And so, Jim, obviously the polling place would, would look a little bit uh, different. Uh, the lines would obviously be longer with more space in between. And, and hopefully it's not raining if you if the line extends outside and so forth. But uh, that's a major blow in the Democrats' argument because they've basically sanctified Dr. Fauci here. And if he is... Um, saying that uh, in-person voting is doable with uh, different uh, policies in place, then that certainly undercuts the uh, the argument that everybody's got to do it by mail or everybody's going to die. Yeah, it's been odd because if you look at you know the situation right now and you're thinking about how things are going to look in November and you're like, you know, I don't know if I want to vote in person. I don't know if I want to go to the polling place. That's fine. But you know, as Fauci points out, this really shouldn't be enormously different than going to the grocery store, or going to the pharmacy or any of the other things that more and more Americans are doing during this pandemic. Um, I don't know about you, Greg. Every time I've gone to cast a ballot, I've, there's never been a ceremony where you turn to the person in front of you and the person behind you and deliberately cough in their faces. Um, <laughs> you know, just ah, who are you voting for? That kind of, you know, um, if you want to avoid it, that's fine. It's understandable. But by and large, this should be no more dangerous than any other thing you're going out to do these days. You know, you wash your hands, you wear the mask, you try to keep your social distance. You're probably going to be fine. I emphasize probably. It's not that there's no risk. Um, they did that study. You know, one of the, they, the when the pandemic first came down, a whole bunch of states pushed back their primaries because they're trying to figure out the logistics of this. And probably the most controversial one was the state of Wisconsin going ahead with it in April. And a lot of people are like, oh, my goodness, this is, a you know, it was April 7th, right? So if, the, if people really start taking this seriously in mid-March, you're looking at about three, four weeks after this really felt real to Americans. Well, um, they had, uh, I believe the turnout was something like 413,000 people. That's that's a sizable amount. The state managed to link, you know, was able to do contact tracing, et cetera, and link 67 cases 
uh, to people participating in the election, either voting or election watchers or poll workers or stuff like that. That's not good. You know, you'd rather nobody got it. But 67 out of 413,000 is really not that bad. And they didn't have this giant surge in things. You know, so obviously, you can go and vote. And as long as you're using all the precautions, the risk will probably be minimal. Not no risk, but you know, minimal risk. If for some reason you want to vote uh, in person absentee or in, in person absentee, which I know it sounds like a contradiction, but you know, basically it's early voting. Sure, sure, go right ahead and do that sort of thing. But the idea that you know election day in November is going to be some sort of giant death trap for everyone who goes to show up to vote is kind of ridiculous. And I think you know as long as, long as Americans behave responsibly, we'll be fine. Although I guess maybe that's that's that that's probably setting the bar rather high, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, there's no tension or anything, so nobody's going to be pointing out that one person's wearing their mask wrong or yeah. somebody's. If we've learned anything from this pandemic, it's that people are very even keeled, understanding, <laughs> and patient when it comes to other people doing things different regarding regarding masks and stuff like that. Exactly. We'll get to that uh, in, in a few months, I guess. And you still got some primaries here in the coming weeks, as, as Fauci alluded to. Uh, but Jim, before we talk about uh, the second phase of uh, the great debate over how we're going to vote this year, let's talk about our sponsor today, CarShield. You know, for many, many years, if you were handy with car repair, and I'm certainly not, uh, and you could figure out what was wrong, you heard the noise, you could, you know, get the tools, get the parts you need, fix it yourself, not a lot of uh, cost out of pocket. But nowadays... Everything's running by computers, especially with the new cars. Computer systems are simply the new normal. So from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors, it's really hard to fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, not if, but eventually it is going to break, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. And I've told the story before, our old minivan driving back from uh, from a wedding down south, and just before we got home, the lights come on, the noise comes on. Turns out we blew a couple of cylinders. Total would have been about five grand, wasn't worth it, so we ended up getting a different minivan. If I'd had car shield, uh, could have been a different story. And the last time we did this ad, somebody wrote in and said, well, that's just one repair uh, over over the long haul. Do you really save money? I'm like, well, there were some repairs before that that uh, ran into the four figures that would have been nice to have CarShield for as as well. So having CarShield can definitely bring you peace of mind. Yeah, Greg, no no pun intended, but your mileage may vary. But I noted, like, I, think I, have a, I drive a Subaru Forester. Most of the time, it's terrific. Then I had, like, three things go wrong, like rapid succession, one after another, boom, boom, boom. So CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. And CarShield gives you options that others won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped more than 1 million customers. So drive with confidence knowing you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 per month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention the code MARTINI or visit carshield.com and use the code MARTINI to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MARTINI. A deductible may apply. All right, Jim, are you ready for the postal wars? 
of 2020 because this year hasn't been weird enough. So Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, is rushing the House back into action. It's August, which means they're almost never here at this time of year. But they're going to do that because they're afraid that Donald Trump is going to make sure that the Postal Service is not in any condition to handle the surge of mail-in ballots that they believe will be coming this year due to people not wanting to stand in line and vote due to the pandemic. And so they're blaming Trump. They're blaming his uh, former bundler turned Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. Uh, and basically, this is a giant Trump conspiracy to make sure that people can't vote by mail. And so that's his last-ditch effort to win by corrupting the system. Except for the fact that the Wall Street Journal is pointing out, among others, that this system has been floundering in debt for a long time. Um, I believe there's an offer from uh, the White House in this latest bill for $10 billion for the Postal Service. And then you got this whole different, uh, they're gobbling up the mailboxes, they're taking them off the streets uh, conspiracy theory that a lot of folks on the right are now labeling the Democratic version of QAnon. And so a lot of folks pointing out that hundreds and thousands of these things were yanked off the streets during the Obama administration and uh, some of them repositioned just due to the fact that fewer people are using them, so they're unnecessary. So, Jim, how do we separate the wackos from the facts here? Well, my first question, Greg, is... Is it QAnon or QAnon? I have no idea. <laughs> I always, that's how I know you're not in on the conspiracy, Greg, because if you were, you'd pronounce it correctly. Uh, is it, does it involve Kofi Anon? I don't know. Anyway, Q, I thought it was anonymous was the idea. But anyway, so here's ah, the thing. So is, okay. this a, is this a vast conspiracy theory? Well, here's the thing. Let's imagine that just about everybody in America decides to vote by mail this year. It's not going to happen. You know, we just discussed in the previous martini that it's going to be uh, safe to vote in person as long as you're taking the appropriate precautions. But let's say like 150 million people decide I'm going to vote by uh, by mail to this, this week. And some people who you know aren't familiar, that familiar with how the Postal Service works might be like, oh, my goodness, how are they going to handle that many? Well, the Postal Service processes about 500 million pieces of mail every day. And in a week before Christmas, when everybody's sending out Christmas cards and packages and, and all the other stuff, they handle about 3 billion pieces of mail in the week before Christmas. So even the people who are strong advocates of vote by mail really aren't that worried about the Postal Service's ability to handle the capacity. So it, the first thing is, like, you know, oh, if I put the, uh, uh, my ballot in the mail, are they going to lose it? Well, the odds of them losing it aren't any more likely now or less likely now uh, than they were. Is mail coming a little bit slower? Yeah. Some of that is because of the coronavirus and the ramifications of all that. But some of it also is the U.S. Postal Service is indeed in deep doo-doo financially. And they've been trying to figure out some ways to make themselves more efficient. Uh, they've been trying to reduce overtime hours. They've been trying to increase pressure to stay on schedule, fewer errors, less duplicate work. And one of the means taking away those blue mailboxes that are least used. Um, now, here's the thing. Some people have said that actually the ones that they're taking away seem to be pretty well used. There's been dispute about whether that's you could understand everything that the Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is doing has some logical reason for why you'd be wanting to do this for a really financially strained postal service. They're not going to run out of money between now and Election Day. That's the good news. Beyond that, they might really find themselves in, in uh, dire financial straits. So this is everything they're doing has at least some logistical reason behind it. Now, could it have a bad impact on the election? Yeah, we can't rule that out. And I, my advice to anybody out there thinking about voting by mail is, OK, do this as early as possible. You and I in previous conversations have talked about how voting early can often seem uh, ridiculous. You cast your ballot, something late breaks like, you know, Comey and Hillary or uh, you know, God forbid the candidate you voted for is in some terrible scandal and you don't want to vote for him anymore. Um, 
in that situation, it's bad. In the circumstances of this year, where for some reason you don't feel comfortable going to the polling place and voting on a on the morning of that second tu- of that Tuesday in November, like everybody else, okay, that's fine. Then get it done as early as possible. Pay attention to the details. Make sure you're registered. Uh, make sure you know what the deadlines are. Mail it in. If you got to do it, mail it in. Mail it quickly. Now, some states they have special ballot boxes. I think it was in Oregon a few years ago. You don't put them in the mail. They have these giant. <laughs> Unfortunately, it looks like a giant yellow dumpster, which I kind of wonder if makes people a little, a little unnerved by this, but you put them into those things. So, you know, if you're really that worried about it, you take some steps, you take some precautions. Uh, and where you and I live, you basically go to the local county government building and, you know, you can vote early that way. Um, or I'm sorry, in-person absentee, as they call it, which again, it sounds kind of like <laughs> a, a contradiction in terms. But you, there's all kinds of ways to make sure that your ballot does get counted this year. This is probably being stirred up by a certain portion of the Democrats saying, hey, we want to make it look like Trump is doing something nefarious and trying to steal the election. That said, when Trump goes out and says, uh, you know, uh, now if we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. It means they can't have universal mail-in voting. They just can't have it. Um, well, he certainly is playing the type. And his comments and inter- things like interviews with Maria Bartiromo um, certainly play into what Democrats want people to believe, that he's trying to shut down voting by mail uh, because he's afraid that he's going to lose, et cetera, et cetera. You know, my fellow Americans, if you take care of this stuff early, you should have no problem casting your ballot. And as we mentioned in the last martini, you can probably cast your ballots in person this year with really minimal risk. Just take your standard precautions. You know, if you have to bring a super soaker with Purell, go ahead and do that. You know, just do what you have to do to get your ballot cast. Um, But look, people want to believe that this is the era of vast conspiracy theories and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that uh, people will be latching onto that and, you know, putting everybody into a whole new panic about whether the votes will be counted on Election Day. Certainly the case. And uh, there's the ongoing debate, of course, about whether mail-in equals absentee. We'll get into that probably a a different time. But uh, as long as you are requesting your ballot and they're not just sending it to you unsolicited, uh, I think it can probably work pretty well. Once they just start sending it to every address on file, uh, that's, that's where you could run into some problems. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And we haven't talked about Edward Snowden in a while, but his name is back in the news because it was brought up at the president's press briefing on Saturday. Difficult weekend for the president. Our condolences to him and his family on the passing of of his brother. Uh, But at his press briefing on Saturday, he was asked about Edward Snowden and whether there was going to be a pardon in this case. And here was the president's response to that. If you want to give Edward Snowden a pardon and bring him back, you you once suggested that Well, I'm going to look at it. I mean, I'm not that aware of the Snowden situation, but I'm going to start looking at it. There are many, many people. It seems to be a split decision. There are many people think that uh, he should be somehow treated differently, and other people think he did very bad things. And I'm going to take a very good look at it, okay? I mean, I, I've, I've seen people that are very conservative and very liberal, and they agree on the same issue. They agree both ways. Uh, I'm going to take a look at that very strongly, Edward Snowden. So, Jim, the facts of the case I don't think are in dispute here. It is a little bit complicated in the sense that uh, he did expose government surveillance through the NSA, which I think ought to horrify just about everyone, certainly anyone with even the slightest of a libertarian bent about their own personal information. At the same time, though, he stole private classified government information, and that's a crime. What do you make of Trump considering this and, and, and this debate reemerging now? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Trump is when he says, we're, we're looking at that very strongly, 
um, is that it could be that they're actually seriously considering it, or this could be my kicking the can down the road type answer for a question I didn't expect. Um, I, look, based on Trump's past comments, he called him a, you know, Edward Snowden, a traitor back in 2013. And uh, in another separate tweet later in the year, he said, Snowden is a spy who should be executed. But if it and he could reveal Obama's records, I might become a major fan. Um, but the idea is certainly to get one point Trump saying this guy should be killed. And now it's like, well, look, nothing's changed regarding Edward Snowden. And you and I have discussed multiple times on this podcast over the years. We, you know, at least speaking for myself, I'm pretty darn irked with what the NSA was doing. I think this was a um, not in keeping with American traditions of civil liberties. It's really not been in keeping with, with our traditional, with traditional thinking of what the government can do in your personal records. Criminal, the process of trying to solve crimes, the process of trying to prevent uh, prevent terrorism, never involved the ability to suck up all available data about everyone in the country. Sherlock Holmes was a brilliant mind. He's fictional, of course. But the idea is that we didn't, he didn't begin by saying, okay, let's, let's zoop up every letter that's been written in London and read through all of them and sort through all of them to see if it has any relevant information to solve this crime. This is, you know, the ability of technology to do these things and the, the advent of social media, and people's willingness to put so much personal information up online about themselves, thinking that it's secure. Um, if everything had this button, do you want the National Security Agency to be look at this? Most people would click no, because they basically believe it's none of the government's business. There are real legitimate complaints about this. And I think, you know, in that sense, you know, it, it, Snowden has done the country a service in making us have this conversation that the Obama administration at that time did not think the country should be having. That having been said, the guys, you know, the guy undoubtedly violated his oath. He undoubtedly spilled everything. And oh, by the way, running to first, first to a Chinese territory and then Russia does not make us believe that you're on the up and up and you're a hunky-dory guy and you're just doing this out of concern for the American people. Um, I, I don't see anything. I don't understand what's changed. I'm very curious about this question kind of coming out of nowhere and for Trump to basically raise this possibility. I also don't think that, like, I can't imagine, Greg, that there's a, you know, pro-Edward Snowden demographic out there that was originally going to go for Biden, but once Trump starts, you know, floating the idea of a pardon, uh, is going to jump on board. This is, you know, part of Trump's ability to... Um, First, he responds to every question that gets asked to him. He very rarely shuts down an idea. He likes to keep his options open. But now that means you're generating the headlines. Trump might pardon Edward Snowden. And for anybody who's still angry about Edward Snowden, they look at that and roll their eyes. And this is the president who's, you know, pardoned Rod Blagojevich and, you know, all kinds of other characters who I think a lot of folks on the right would not want to see pardoned. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, another self-inflicted controversy. God knows if it'll last very long. God knows if anything will, anything will come of this. Um, but it's just one more, uh, you know, stepping on a rake that didn't necessarily need to be stepped on by the president of the United States. Well, unlike Blagojevich, I don't believe Edward Snowden ever appeared on The Apprentice. So there's no personal. <laughs> as far as I remember. yeah. <laughs> so, and you'll be shocked, Jim, shocked to know that Rand Paul and Liz Cheney have different opinions on what should happen ah. with Edward Snowden. I'll let you decide which sides they're on, because I'm sure you ooh, can't tell. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't broken out into a fist fight in the halls of Congress. They, they would if that required getting within six feet of each other. <laughs> oh, Jim, you know what we haven't mentioned? Apparently, the Democratic Convention starts today. I guess we're really fired up for that. And um, I don't know if anyone's <laughs> going to be watching this virtual deal, especially since I think most people know who they're going to vote for. I don't know if this is going to be a dud or innovative because it's so different this year but uh, I know I'm not looking forward to it and <laughs> we'll see how yeah. much we actually pay attention this I, I will watch some tonight Greg just ex out of curiosity kind of like you know Ooh, is this could be a car wreck my suspicion is it's going to feel like watching the response to the State of the Union 
over and over <laughs> and over again. And uh, I don't think it'll be all that interesting, but I, I know we give the parties a little bit of sympathy. I don't know if there's really an easy or good way to do this um, in the in the environment of the pandemic. So, yeah, you know, usually I, I enjoy the conventions. They're usually, as I described, political Disneyland for political junkies. But uh, yeah, yeah, not a, feel the excitement, America. I think they're going to inject uh, like sitcom laugh tracks and, and audience reaction. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. That'd be great. <laughs> Jim, fun Monday for a change. Uh, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our sponsors over at CarShield. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself. CarShield.com, code Martini or 800-CAR-6000. And mention the code Martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. We'd be very grateful for a kind review and a five-star rating. Also, remember you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.